Let me have prayer with you, and I want to just say that today's sermon goes very well with the last song that we just sang. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we thank you uh, that you actually want to be with us. And today as we explore Exodus 33, it is a clear indication for us to find that meeting tent, a place that doesn't have distractions, a place that's sacred, a place that's very personal. And I pray your spirit will lead me as we read through Exodus today. Amen. What are the benefits of friendship? <laughs> well, today I want to actually explore the idea of can I be a friend of God? As a young boy, my grandmother had come out of Catholicism and she argued her way into Christianity, into Adventism, because she just happened to have the Adventist pastor live next door to her in a little country town in New South Wales called Young. And uh, my grandma, uh, she was part German and Jew and part pretty rigid. And uh, my grandma was arguing with Pastor Scrag, who was the pastor who lived next door to their house, and she argued her way through the Bible into getting to know who Jesus is. And she still had this rigid tendency. When we get to heaven, I'll introduce you. You'll get the idea. Um, she'll be there, but I tell you what, <laughs> she's quite funny. Um, she, was, she was a laugh. But this idea of friendship with God was often in my mind, I love friends from like birth. If I could be with people on the weekend, that's exactly where I wanted to be had friends at school. If you read my reports from about kindergarten all the way through, it was always, you can guess it, talk too much. If you can only talk less, focus more, you do well. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Um, but the reality was friendship has always been important. But the idea of friendship with God was altered by my grandmother when I was 10. Because like a lot of my generation, we were the first, the latchkey generation where mum and dad had to work. So we would get dropped off at parents and grandparents while mum and dad went off to work. And one morning, it was freezing cold in winter, my grandmother, she, she, she was a minimalist, so, and you only had the heater on exactly uh, when you were doing worship, and then it got turned off. It's cold in Kurumbong, and we were having worship, and grandma shared this passage of the Bible with me, and it scared the daylights out of me. And for the whole day at school, I was in trepidation that I was not ready for Jesus to come back, because the view that she had created for me of God was a God who was a judge, um, but a judge who also had the ability to go whack uh, and uh, sort of follow up on it. And at that moment, I started to get this view of a God that, to be honest, scared me. But the reality is, if we're in a dysfunctional relationship with someone, a friend, a husband, wife, a best mate, that can make life very difficult for you. And if you have a view of God like that, it, it is also going to make it very difficult for you. Because for many people in today's Christian world, they do not have a view of God that could be your friend. And I want to tell you today that when we go right back to us in the 33rd chapter, that God wants to be your friend. The God actually wants to come and dwell with us. God knew that it's not good to be alone. Psychologists have given us just a few little hints on what some of the benefits of friendship. Number one, it increases your sense of belonging and purpose. Number two, it'll boost your happiness and reduce your stress. Number three, it will improve your self-confidence and self-worth. 
It helps you cope with traumas such as divorce or serious illness, job loss, death or failing an exam. They will encourage you to change or avoid unhealthy lifestyle habits such as excessive drinking, lack of exercise, etc., etc. They help you put your problems in context to develop a stronger sense of meaning and direction. And today, I want to lead you to what God's friendship with us can do and the benefits that can come with having a relationship with God. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and I apologise to Lukey today, I got these passages into him late. But if you've got your phone or your Bible, grab it. I want you to be able to focus on it. It's Exodus chapter 33. Now, we're going to read the passage where Moses actually goes out to a tent of meeting. It's a really interesting passage. I must admit, when I was reading through it this week, I had actually forgotten about this passage. As I read it, it came back to mind and I thought, boy, that is cool. So today, that's what I want to explore with you. Exodus chapter 33 and starting in verse 7. It's just four verses, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. We're just going to read through it and you get a picture of what is happening for Moses. Verse 7 of Exodus 33. It was Moses' practice to take the tent. You've got to think they've just come out of the promised land. The tent of meeting. There was no such thing as the temple or tabernacle at this point in time. So what Moses decided to do is he knew amongst that had no distractions. There needed to be a place that was a place of holy worship, community, of friendship between him and God. So he actually built a tent. And this tent was special because it was from this tent of meeting that incredible things happened between Moses and God. So, verse 7, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting. And he set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request to the Lord would go to the tent of meeting, outside the camp. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up, stand in the entrance of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover over its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young men who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Have any of you ever read that before? Just help me out. Like, it's, it's an interesting passage. It is a fascinating passage because it is here that we get a clear indication that Moses, way, way back, he also needed a place that lacked distraction. Notice it was outside of the camp. And on top of that, it was a place where Moses could come face to face with God. He could actually feel the presence of God and the people, the Israelite people. This was something that was very, very, very incredible. Now, in a few months' time, we're going to do big camp again. Maybe. I think they are. Uh, <laughs> you haven't booked? Jump online quickly and book. Um, now, I know when I go down to the tent that I'm running this year, 
I doubt I will see people standing at the doors of their tent and as I go into the 25 plus tent, people will then bow and, and worship God. I doubt that's going to happen. But here, millions and millions of Jewish people, when Moses walked by, they all came out of their tents, their homes. They stood at their doors because something incredibly reverent, something incredibly spiritual was about to take place. And Moses, as he goes into the tent of the meeting, the Bible tells us this incredible picture. The cloud that hovered over the camp. For the Jewish people, that was God's way of saying, I am present. Now, we have the Holy Spirit that does that in our lives. But in those days, those ancient times, God would actually hover, the cloud would actually move and it would then hover over the entrance of the tent. Do you think this was a holy thing? A really special spiritual encounter? I think so. So when I read this passage, I'm thinking to myself, this is really, really significant. That's why it's in the scripture. Because our God wants to have that same strong connection with us. Face to face, you would see the Lord would speak to Moses as a friend would speak to a friend. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friends. Can I be a friend of God? Can we, each one of us, be friends of God? Can I be a friend of God? Will God speak with me face to face? as a man speaks with his friend. Like Moses, can I be a friend of God? What does it mean in our lives today to have a tent of meeting? Well, today, that's what I want to look at. That's what I want to discover with you. Now, we know that Moses would soon go up onto Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And as he goes up into the Ten Commandments, the Bible tells us that he spent 40 days. Now, I just want to, I think I shared this with you before. Often the Jewish writers, when they actually write 40 days, it, not, it doesn't always mean he was up there for 40 literal days. The Jewish writers, when they would actually talk about numbers, and for Jews, numbers are incredibly significant. It is no surprise that on the seventh day is Sabbath and we rest, because for a Jewish person, the number seven means it is complete. Whatever that is, it is complete. The week is finished. And to top it off, to make it perfect, God created a day of worship with him. A bit the same as the tent of meeting. Something significant and special. But as Moses went up to Mount Sinai for 40 days, or for some period of time, he communes with God. We shouldn't be surprised that he's in an encounter with God because it was his regular habit to go to the tent of meeting. So as he is up there communing with God in a relationship, face-to-face chatting, God reveals to him the Ten Commandments. Now, the Ten Commandments were given to us not as do's and do-nots. They're actually given to us to actually build stronger relationships because the first four commandments indicate our relationship with God. How do we have a better friendship with God? That's what the first four commandments are all about. 
The last six commandments, God says, it's not good for you just to have a good relationship with God unless you actually have a good relationship with each other as human beings, you're wasting our relational time. So the next six commandments were for that. So he heads up and he gets the Ten Commandments and he comes back and within a six-week period, if it is 40 days, within a six-week period, his brother, who was the deputy leader, the assistant pastor, whatever you want to call it, in that six weeks, he's now led the people to a point that they've actually said, I think Moses has died on the mountain. You know, there's some incredible stuff happening up there on the mountain. Uh, It's not good for man to be in the presence of God too long. I think he's probably dead. Uh, And they come to him and they say, we need to create a God. So Moses allows them to sculpt with their gold a cow, a golden calf. When Moses arrives, the Bible tells us he glowed. Because when you are in the presence with God, when you're in a relationship with God, you glow. And as he came down the hill, uh, I'm sure Aaron realised, oh, I've uh, really stuffed this one up big time. And as Moses walked into the tent, sorry, into the camp, his, in, his encounter is with a people who are disobedient. His encounter is with people who didn't have a strong relationship with God. Because their relationship was weak, within a six-week period, they could throw everything out and all of a sudden decide to build a golden cow, calf, and worship the thing. The Bible tells us of Moses, he is so furious at his people that he actually throws down the Ten Commandments and breaks them. Now, I'm not sure about you, that's a pretty holy piece of scripture. And Moses throws them down and breaks it. What sort of a relationship did these people have with God? I'm going to guess it was pretty weak. Moses could see it. God could see it. But God wasn't finished with those people yet. The Bible tells us, when we pick up the context of our passage today, If you grab your phones or your Bible and you flick back just a few verses, we're going to read verse 1 of chapter 33. It's always good to read the context. (laughs) And in chapter 33 of Exodus, so if your phones flick to something else, quickly put it back there, Exodus 33, and we're going to read verses 1 to 6. And this gives you the mission of the people of Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you people... You brought out of Egypt and go into the land I promised on an oath to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, saying, I will give your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are stiff-necked people and I will destroy you on the way. This was the problem that God encountered with the people of Israel. The reason he he says, I will send an angel in front of the people of Israel is because only Moses, at this point in time, had a strong friendship with God. The rest of them, the people of Israel, kept letting God down. So God actually knew his own weakness. And he actually says to Moses, the reason I'm going to send an angel before to help you beat these enemies is because if I go ahead and I see these people messing it around, Uh, I might be tempted (laughs) to go, 
all gone. Even God knew his own, his own weaknesses. In verse 4, when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any more ornaments, jewellery. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you asked if neck people, if I were to go, if I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments. The context of this story that we read about is the fact that the people of Israel, like us as human beings today, in our relationship and walk with God, there are times we walk away from Him. There are times we're distracted by other things that get in our, in our road as we build a relationship with God. There are times in our own behaviour, God may need to actually step back for our own safety. But I am so glad that the God that we serve today, the same God, isn't just the hovering spirit that would meet at the meeting tent. We serve a God today who came and died on the cross for us. We serve a God today who gave us the Holy Spirit like a cloud that would hover. The Holy Spirit hovers and wants to be part of our daily lives, who actually wants to help us to build a relationship with God. As Moses entered, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When we read in some of the other versions, like the King James or NIV, they say that the people saw the cloud they rose and worshipped, or they stood and worshipped. Most other modern translates capture the full force of what was happening. For example, in another couple of versions, they would bow down. They would rise up and bow down. Almost certainly, the Israelites were coming out of their tents, prostrating themselves on the ground when they saw the pillar of God descending upon Moses in the tent. And the reason the people were motivated to do this was because they recognised that they too needed to be like Moses. They too needed a relationship with God. 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with a friend. How good is that? How blessed was Moses and how blessed can we be? Can I be a friend of God? The New Testament, after our Jesus came and died to humanity, the New Testament gives us some real clear indications on how we, can have a friendship with God. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 13, I think we've got that one. It says, Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. The writer of Hebrews was reflecting back on what had actually happened with his tent of meeting. Right here in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Because it was saying there are times in our life, in our relationship with God, we need to go outside of our camp. We need to actually go outside of our bedroom or our home or our work environment, our school environment, and find a place that you can actually stop and connect with God. Now, we're in a blessed country here in Australia because over the last week, how many of you have seen some of the incredible colours in our sky at night? Yeah, it's just been ridiculously nice. Um, I must admit I haven't seen too many of the sunrises. Uh, it's been too hard getting out of bed. But the evenings have been incredible. And I want to tell you, when you see something incredible like the sunsets we're observing today, that is like going outside of the camp. 
going outside of all of that silly busyness that we call life and actually being able to reflect on who God is. As Moses pitched his tent outside the camp, he was once again foreshadowing Jesus the Messiah. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as Jesus would speak to his disciples face to face. Jesus was crucified not in the city of Jerusalem but on the outskirts of the city of Jerusalem. We read in Luke 23, 45 and 36, the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. A bit like Moses, Jesus had direct access to God, but his death, the dividing curtain in the temple, was torn in two. God broke out of the curtain and we now have the opportunity through the Holy Spirit dwelling within to have God speak with us Jesus calls us his friends. I want to read a passage in 2 Corinthians. The people of Corinth, when Paul wrote, the people of Corinth were not good people. In fact, the people of Corinth considered the Christian church in Corinth to be worse than what they were. They were into all the bad stuff that you can imagine. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verses 1 to 5, the scripture tells us, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And it continues. Eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to be put to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not, uh, sorry, burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we could be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared for us, this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. What's Paul saying? The tent that is our earthly home is referring to our earthly body. Our temporary dwelling place, just as the Israelites moved the tent of meeting from place to place, waiting for entrance to the promised land. Believers in Christ are wanderers on this earth, people who are not at home in the world, but who seek a city that is to come. The type of relationship that God has planned for us is eternal. The type of home or meeting place that he has set up for us is something that is special between you and God. It doesn't come with a pattern that is just, oh, that's the sort of home that Pastor Sean would like to be in. It's actually been set aside and prepared as a place for you. The most important thing about this place that God has set up is not what it's built of, but who you're with. Because you can have the nicest house But if your friends give you a hard time, it's hard to be happy in that house. But to be in a relationship with God where you're happy, to be in a relationship with God where you actually feel at peace, that you actually find this really close bond and friendship with God, really, really close bond and friendship you have with your mates, your family, your loved ones, that's a place I'd want to be. So that's why in 2 Corinthians, 
Paul indicates to us to seek a city that is to come. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 13 to uh, verse 15, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So I want to wrap it up. The meeting place, the tent of meeting that Moses encountered. I want to tell you, it was just as significant for Moses as what it is for us to have the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. When Moses went to the tent of meeting, everyone knew. In fact, the whole community watched, the whole community participated when Moses sought out God. We too can be like Moses and the people where all of a sudden God sends you to another place and people forget that God's in control. And we can wander away from God, from the tent of meeting. We too today, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, can have God living in our heart, then all of a sudden we become distracted and we push him out. See, friends, today, our tent of meeting, we don't need to build a tent at home. Our tent of meeting is right here. God says, and I'll just finish with these two passages. In Hebrews 12, verse 14 to 15, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter roots grow up to cause trouble and defile many. And the last passage that I want to leave with you is Hebrews again, chapter 13, verse 12. Who suffered outside the city gate, to make us holy through his own blood. That person is Jesus. Our Jesus wants us to come to the tent of meeting. He actually wants us to be his friend. Will you be his friend?